Welcome to Risk Roundup. The focus of today's dialogue will be Internet of Things and security in cyberspace. Along with the ever-changing definition and nature of computers, the continued evolution toward cheaper processors and faster networks has enabled a shift from desktop workstations to mobile phones to everyday connected objects called Internet of Things, in short referred to as IoT. As almost any physical device can now be internet-enabled, linking it to additional computing power and analytical capabilities that make it smart, billions of physical devices are expected to join the global digital network in the coming years. This brings a number of opportunities as well as risks for each nation, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, and of course the individuals nations and its governments that adopt a wait-and-see attitude toward the IoT, that is Internet of Things, are unlikely to develop the expertise they need to govern in a digital global age, nor will they stimulate the trust needed to effectively and efficiently deliver services and to reassure concerned citizens about how Internet of Things will affect them. This undoubtedly will have a huge impact. To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Chuck Brooks. Chuck is advisor, technology partner network, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He has an exemplary record with the government, with the industries, and with the academia. So we are very delighted to welcome you uh, on Risk Roundup, Chuck. Chuck? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful, Chuck. So, Chuck, let's uh, begin by talking about the structure of governments and how Uh, it's going to impact everyone uh, with the Internet of Things. The diverse structure of governments across nations amidst the growing complex nature of its evolving mission complicates attempts to implement new technology in a timely manner. If governments do not start analyzing the strategic implications of the Internet of uh, Things today, that is IoT today, they not only risk being left behind, making it more difficult to not only govern, but efficiently deliver any public services in this rapidly shifting digital global age, reality on effectively or effectively regulate anything about IoT, that is Internet of Things. As an executive with strong experience in government, what are your thoughts on the current state of Internet of Things planning you know, for, with the governments? Sure, sure. Uh, good question. Actually, I'll give you a quick brief on my, my background in government because I've played in several different parts of government. Uh, the most pertinent being with the uh, science and technology director of the Department of Homeland Security. I was there when it uh, initially started and helped set it up with the legislative affairs part and work with the various uh, components that we're dealing with, everything from CBRNE, uh, chemical, biological, nuke, and also interoperability and also uh, everything to do with smart cities and cybersecurity. So so it's a, it's a big start. And then I also spent uh, eight years working on uh, Capitol Hill for late Senator Arlen Specter which gave me a different perspective of government and how they operate. And, and to understand the complexity of your question, you really have to look at, at the interaction between uh, the public policy sector, which includes Congress and all the private corporations and uh, grassroots uh, international now, and, and, and the, the, the agencies themselves. And uh, what has happened is that we've had such a boom, a technological boom in the last decade, that government really didn't anticipate the growth of all our interconnectivity. As you mentioned, it might be up to, I've heard 56 billion connected objects by 2020. And so the implications are, are really uh, strong. And primarily looking back at, at the security risk of this is that how do you secure all those devices? And, and the, the short answer is you really can't, but then you say, how do you prioritize what you can secure? And that's what government's looking at right now. And specifically, Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Bureau of Investigation uh, came up, uh, put out a joint report uh, a few months ago talking about what they see as the biggest risk in cybersecurity, that being the Internet of Things. So um, looking at that, you have to go back and say, okay, where do you prioritize putting your investment and where do you cooperate? And, and the, the path now is, okay, government, we don't have the, all the answers, but the private sector is much farther ahead in, in a lot of uh, these various technologies, including 
artificial intelligence, big data, everything else. So we're going to work with you. And now what's happening is is sort of a sort of getting the rules straight, uh, protecting privacy, and, and finding how to work. And that's what DHS and NIST and some of the other groups are trying to do right now. Yes, yes. No, you are right. And thank you for the introduction and uh, giving uh, background about your experience. And I think um, our global viewers and the listeners they are going to benefit from that. And uh, they, your insight and your input would definitely make a difference. But before we go forward, Chuck, let me ask you, because you have worked with the government uh, so extensively, how do the government, any of the division of the government, any branch, any agency, how do they decide, you know, okay, now we want to change technology because the technology that we have is outdated and, you know, it's not very effective. What is the process? So just to, you know, have a background about the, here in the United States, what is the process of deciding who decides that okay we need to change the technology now yeah, okay. it, it's it's really a, a multi-fold process and, and to explain it it, it it works in sort of a, a public policy realm and what first happens is sort of the you know, there's six thousand associations here in washington dc and almost every corporate headquarters plus all you have all the international world bank etc embassy so what happens is these groups uh sometimes alone and sometimes in in, in uh, conjunction with each other coordinate uh, policy initiatives. These policy initiatives will talk about, we need uh, you know, a privacy uh, framework or something like that, just for example, or we need to uh, have a regulatory effect over the, the vulnerability of the grid, for another good example. So what they do is that they formulate policy papers, the think tanks get involved, the, the Brookings, the Heritage Foundations, the CSISs and others, and they held a lot of meetings and talk. Then it usually takes off where they, they lobby Congress and Congress has a variety of functions, and the most important function is appropriation and policy uh, directives that go to the, the federal agencies for them. So if they want to get something into an initiative, and which is such as the Internet, I think there's, there's a technology caucus in Congress, and there's a lot of policy committees that have the various jurisdictions. So these associations are often become and testify. They think this is what is needed. It could be someone like a Bill Gates coming in if it's talking about uh, something on, on philanthropy or things like that. But uh, there's that's how the process gets going. And at the same time, the government will will do their uh, budgeting and their priorities, and they'll they'll put these programs and topics into their interests and try and determine internally what their needs are, and also bring in outside help. So when that happens, then then legislation comes through, and the government reacts, and appropriations come through, and they coordinate government and Congress federal government are back and forth with their budgets, justifying they have to go in every year justify their budgets and say why it's needed. And and what's so unusual about the Internet of Things is that five years ago no one was talking about it. Now everyone's talking about it. And, and what is it? You know, it, it defines so many different things. So, uh, so uh, uh, what's happening, there's different components of it being addressed from everything from energy to health care to national security. So to get a, a sort of a roadmap of government, you sort of have to go to each issue area to find yeah. out what the progress is. Yes, but it seems like, you know, it's a very slow and very complex process of you know, developing any change. So uh, I, I I can see your point, you know, I think uh, that would not make it very efficient process to, you know, be with the private industry and to be yes. with the changes. So let's, let's talk about this, that the strategic application of Internet of Things, specifically the suite of embedded sensors and wirelessly connected devices are still emerging, like, you know, in governments across nations. I mean, at least in United States, there has been some talk about it, but you know, there are a lot of nations, a lot of countries uh, where the governments are probably, you know, completely clueless about the changes that are coming to them. So here in United States, especially United States, is IoT a part of any government's discussions, debate or strategy plan from uh, what you know? It is now part of OPM, and I've been to a variety of uh, conferences recently, including FedScoop, where a lot of the CIOs spoke, and one of their first two, the two topics they spoke about were digitizing government, internet things. So it's definitely on the, on the, uh, their viewpoint of, of IoT, and it's a question of, of where they prioritize in their own internal agencies what needs there are. But you mentioned the really good thing, which is the, you know the, the smartphones and the connected devices, and the trend now, as you're well aware, is that it's almost becoming a hub or a gateway, you know, for everything we do and everything's connected. It's no longer just be the you know, dialing up to the internet or, or connecting the internet uh, or server, it'll be your your, your smartphone eventually, and, and maybe even been pl- eventually be implanted in you. So a lot of those things that are happening 
uh, are now dealing with this, the security aspect of how do we separate what is everyday work uh, or personal from the business part and, and the secure threats. And there's a lot of interesting technologies coming in that uh, from sandboxing uh, to virtualization. And, and one recently that I, I came across and, and got a little involved with is, is where you're actually separating the hardware uh, in a device so you can do your business and personal. It's called work play. So there's a lot of interesting technologies out there. And what also you mentioned earlier is that it, how do you speed the process? It's so cumbersome. And what some agencies are doing, and, and particularly now DHS, is, is actually got a Silicon Valley outreach uh, with science and technology. So they're now trying to commercialize technologies from Silicon Valley and also the national labs that have a lot of this amazing IP and bring them into the commercial sector. And, and, and that's a new thing in government. Uh, they've tried it for years, but it's never really been formalized. So uh, commercialization is really becoming the vehicle to try to get the private sector expertise and products and technologies into the hands of government. And, and that's probably got to be another area where there's going to be more focus um, from the White House and, and from other agencies to really make it from a top-down initiative because, as you mentioned, it, otherwise it, it could take forever. <laughs> it yes. might be too late. You're right. And I think the boundaries are blurring, you know, between the private and public. And especially, you know, my answer on question probably is that, you know, for example, that there are so many different phones. There's, there's not just one kind of smartphone. There are so many different kinds of smartphones. Similarly, you know, there are so many different kinds of applications for any particular, you know, initiative or any particular task that you want to do. So what, who decides and how do they decide that, okay, let us, you know, have this application or let us have this technology because this is not just, you know, about having the technology developments within United States. Technology is being developed everywhere and technology has no borders or no boundaries. So even if there's a technology that is developed in Germany or in India or China, if it is you know more effective than the technology that is here, then we you know people would want to go for that. But there are so many complicated security implications of all that. So how do we evaluate that? I would like to know, you know, the process by which they decide. That okay, how this is the technology we want to go. We want, do we want to stick with the technology that is developed within the United States? Then you know the other countries also would probably sooner or later focus on that. That should we focus on technology, you know, to use in our government, just you know, based on you know when it is developed. Developed. So those kind of questions are going to come when the security challenges becomes more intense. So what are your thoughts on that? How do we decide on that? Well, that's a really good question, and there's there's some uh, processes already in, in place. Um, there's a technical support working group at the Pentagon that involves several countries where they work together and develop leading-edge uh, security technologies, for instance. And uh, each uh, uh, country has separate relations with uh, DHS. Uh, uh, Great Britain uh, has a, a, a really a robust program of cybersecurity with uh, the United States. And India, too, uh, recently has done a lot of uh, interesting uh, uh, sort of programmatic work uh, with some of the, the industry and also the governments. And, and there is a, there's a formula, though. I mean, it's, you're right. There, it's not just the – in the United States, it's not just the government saying it has to be U.S. It's also the sort of not invented here by the big corporations that have their own foot in the door. So, so part of the process is really for outside uh, global technology, which are many are great. I mean, I've seen some amazing things come out of for uh, not structured data, the unstructured data uh, analysis data analytics out of Israel recently, it's incredible things. So, I mean, I think it, there's some really great stuff around the globe, and, and the process really is figuring out how the system works in the U.S., and, and part of that is usually strategic partnering. So they have to find a company, uh, whether it be a small 8A company, a Native American company that has special capabilities for uh, contracting, or one of the big guys, uh, which are more uh, difficult and longer process usually, to, to find a partner with. And then they go in as a team, and, and that sort of circumvents the process, and it also alleviates a lot of the security concerns because they, the, those companies will have to get it vetted, particularly if they're in a program that requires it. And, uh, and most security technologies and dealing with anything with multi-level security on the phone will have to be cleared by you know, intelligence agencies here. But if you're already working with a big company or work another company that has a facilities clearance or other types of capabilities, they'll, they'll do it for you. So that's my recommendation because I think and – the, and the other thing is that these bilateral uh, uh, arrangements and working groups, you know, some of the big – you see Microsoft and Google and stuff buying companies all over the globe. So I think going directly to these companies is, is a good good way to start. 
Right, right. No, I, I hear your point. And uh, there are going to, we are going to see a lot of changes, you know, in uh, how those, those things are done too, as you know, the world moves toward more digitalization and digital government, especially digital governance, because that we will see a lot of changes. Now, in the coming years, government agencies will hopefully strive to deliver quality services in increasingly complex digital global environment and will look at ways to apply Internet of Things technology to find new way for its citizens, aiming to enhance governance capabilities, of course, and to streamline processes, which is uh, probably a, a market need right now. So what applications do you see coming that would or could help governments achieve their goals in that in those areas? Yeah, well, I think uh, one area, they're already actually doing, just starting it. It's called, uh, there's a, a funding now for, for a digital government that came out of OPM last year. It's a small amount of funding, but and they're, they're creating a position called chief digital officers in a lot of these agencies. They recognize what, what's happening is the changes that the applications are using is really more social media now. They're looking at the, 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 the buying or the interactive habits of, of most of the citizens or customers in some cases if they're you know, uh, selling services. Um, where you know they're, they're, the way they communicate is different than they did 10 years ago, you know, particularly the millennial generation. And a lot of this is over social media and interaction. So a lot of the old cumbersome, you know, calling and stuff like that is not not being uh, used. It's more being interactive platforms. And so that's where, without specialized applications. And, and, and again, that's another area where the, the private sector is bringing best commercial practices, uh, even in contact centers and customer service, stuff like that. Now a lot of it's automated. Uh, they have screens where they're able to address uh, customer issues or system-centric issues really quickly. So you see government going to this, and it's actually working. In, in a lot of areas, I've seen a, a major improvement in the veteran affairs uh, area, where a lot of people were not, you know, which hospital they go to, what their records happen and stuff. So you're seeing a, a major transformation there, but I think there needs to be more investment. And uh, the best examples are, of course, you know, you go to the Ebays or the uh, the uh, the uh, Amazons and look how they they deal with customer service in digital world. And you apply those those lessons learned to government, and you have a good start. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I I agree to that. I mean, the, uh, we will see all those things. But as we as the governments, I mean, we are talking right now uh, specifically about United States. But I would love to, you know, have a dialogue about you know how each nation and how each government, you know, are preparing themselves for Internet of Things as well as you know the digitalization and. Uh, globalization and to prepare for digital governance because eventually we will see a very, very, you know, efficient, effective digital governance models that will be shaping up in the coming years and decades. It's not going to be happening, like not next year, but it's going to, you know, be happening, you know, sooner or later. And uh, that how the digital governance structure is there and what role and what models are there, all those things need to be discussed and uh, uh, debated. So we will talk about that, but at this point in the United States, what do you think the role of the Internet of Things will have in any of the service providing Department of Government? You mentioned few areas, but based on your experience with government, where do you think which agencies and which you know departments could benefit? Sure. Yeah. Well, we're seeing some of it already, and I think a first good example is what sort of involves a lot of different kind of components is, is smart cities. A lot of the cities being uh, adapting right now to their transportation systems where they can monitor where traffic's going, where parking is available, where roads are issue, where there's uh, cameras everywhere. Um, and also the, the municipal uh, services with the, with the, the water, the heat. Uh, a lot of this is being automated through mesh systems. And it's, it's been very effective and, and more and more cities are coming online with this. And uh, particularly with uh, uh, water conservation, um, they found that by putting sensors in a lot of the, the, the pipes and deliver there, they could save up to 60% of lost water and save costs for, for irrigation, for farming, and for, for urban use. So smart cities is a real good example. And another aspect of that smart cities, of course, is security. And, uh, you know, with what's happening uh, in, in Europe and what's happened here is that a lot of now uh, uh, security uh, interests are, are monitored, uh, surveillance. And we have uh, cameras, real-time real cameras, so, so police and, and our first responders can go to a scene. If it's a fire or a disaster, we're able to use a, a Twitter to communicate uh, they have geolocation capabilities. So those two areas are our primary act, uh, areas. And, and, of course, I think the next big one for government will probably be healthcare. I mean, they're trying to really now get that together to sort of get the, 
the privacy issues, the HIPAA uh, issues sort of in line because, as, as you know, with the, the rollout of the, the original uh, healthcare website, they had a lot of issues. And so <laughs> they want to make sure that, that the, the data shared and, and the data used by, by uh, doctors and hospitals and stuff is, is really secure and private. And then also then the next elements of that is telemedicine. A lot of it's happening now with the veterans uh, uh, who are want to be served that they, they live in a rural area, the hospitals are over full, but maybe a, you go to a kiosk and do telemedicine. A lot of that is being uh, used right now. So there's a lot of really interesting applications for IoT I see right now in government and, and many more too. Yes, no, security and privacy is going to be a battle, you know, not only now, but also in the coming years. So we have to see how technology can help uh, balance those, you know, uh, concerns that everyone has about security and privacy. And uh, uh, I'm sure there will be a technology that would be the, coming to us in the coming years. And uh, that will probably, you know, uh, mitigate that risk uh, that people are worried about that, you know, our private data. You know, is- yeah. Also, I guess another aspect, of course, is wearables, which is already being used now by law enforcement. And uh, DHS just funded an interesting program for have first responders were able to detect nuclear radiation or chemicals or biological. So a lot of this sort of going going to the, the end point, uh, the edge of the system is, is now happening with wearables in, in national security and also health and every other area. So you're, you're seeing, you know, it's a smartphone extended. Yes, 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 definitely. And also, I think that in the coming uh, months and the years, probably there will be a debate about what is private. You know, that definition of privacy is probably going to change because what we are used to, you know, over the years about, okay, this is privacy, you know, for us, that definition probably is not going to be accurate anymore. And that would need to be worked on. So we have to wait and see about that. But now is deriving value from information and data collection and analysis is fundamental to decision making for government objectives. It seems that the IoT can increase value by both collecting better information about how effectively government employees, nominees, and executives, along with government programs and policies are addressing government mission, as well as helping governments deliver services based on real-time and situation-specific conditions, as you were just uh, talking about. For most governments across nations, it is probably difficult to see the immediate relevance of sensors or connected machines. What are your thoughts on lack of eagerness using the power of IoT that is Internet of Things, to move towards data-based governance across, you know, nations. Because here there is some, you know, talk about dialogue about it. In Europe, there is some dialogue about it. But not all nations are, you know, eager to make those kind of changes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it, data analytics, I think, is one of the more interesting areas. And I connect it. I put it that with IoT directly slash data analytics because you need the analytics and anytime you're using sensors see what the meaning of them and what's happening. So, and, and it's a growing area, and a lot of the agencies are now uh, sort of integrating data analytical capabilities and automation capabilities into some of their programs. And it, it is definitely making a difference right now because you could take machine-to-machine analysis on things and, 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 and outcomes, and, and again, you could also look at uh, citizen habits and, and needs and, and do an analysis there too. So it's definitely – and for, for, for city planning, for urban planning – it's, it's, I think it's essential right now, and I think that's where you're talking about global cooperation, uh, sharing the data on, on resources, on uh, uh, you know weather-related activities, on, on, on natural disasters, uh, how to respond, um, best practices, and, and sort of have also interoperable communications uh, uh, key to all this. Uh, I think that's a lot of that's happening with FEMA, um, which is is you know when we had those natural disasters earlier. Uh, going back to Katrina, one of the biggest uh, problems they found out is they couldn't talk to each other, the fire people, the first responders, the police, and, and anyone. So it was it was a real issue in coordination. And so I think a lot of those is, uh, you know, uh, uh, software communication uh, te- technologies and capabilities have grown. And, and now you can also take that and integrate it in the software and, and have geolocation. You can also... Uh, uh, have an analysis of uh, what what happened before and how to de- deal with it. So, I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be what you call, I guess, an automated automated world. And then, of course, artificial intelligence is the next step, and that's happening already. Uh, you know, Google's using it, and Facebook's using it. Yes, but we have to wait and see how you know compatible and how parallel the developments are, because you know the developments that are happening in the United States. We could be, you know, technologically very well advanced. Europe could be very well advanced. But if the rest of the nations are not well advanced, 
then you know how you will the security is definitely going to be you know very vastly impacted because as we know that even if we are secured if you know uh, our enterprises are no longer just in united states they are spread everywhere you know across nations and even the definition of government and the role and departments they are everywhere so even if we are secure here if we have technologically uh, you know advanced and if the other nations have not advanced then there are a lot of security challenges developing because of that but that will be a discussion you know we'll have some other time so yeah. let's actually of- that's something that the gates foundation is doing which I'm, I'm not involved in directly but they're developing a lot of their uh, capabilities particularly in telemedicine and and uh, disease prevention for africa and also equipping people with uh, personal smartphones and and the way to, to deal with that so they're they're looking at the developing world is really you're right you hit a big thing it can't be just the uh, uh, united states and several other countries it's it's a global issue and and as you move into this new era uh, it, it's going to require that uh, every country across the globe has some capabilities to deal with particularly with with human issues Oh, I'm really glad to know that you know Gates Foundation is looking at that. That is something you know we'll uh, I would love to see in the coming months and years what the you know advances come because of their efforts and initiatives. But that is really good to know. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Now many of the government applications focus on optimizing ongoing operations rather than identifying how faster and more precise and more reliable information might generate new possibilities for service delivery. so to fully reap the iot's potential benefits governments will need to rethink how they govern in a digital global age that would mean identifying new governance models fit for a digital global age and adopting the technology to form perhaps a digital government or digital governance governance model and the corresponding organizational structures to support them do you see any talk about that? Uh, is there any interest? I've see? seen uh, a little bit, not enough, but I've seen uh, recently there are several conferences on digital government and sharing information. Um, I've seen uh, also with the, the the World Bank talking about uh, and some CSIS events. But you're right; it's just it's sort of at early stage, and uh, and I think there needs to be much more directed involvement uh, on an international scale, on a cooperative scale at higher levels, because. As, as we mentioned earlier in this thing, the, 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 the transformational aspects of technology are happening faster than we ever imagined. And, and you know, you know, when I went to college, all we had was a little typewriters, and they weren't even electric. But now, look at—I mean, the kids are going to be basically walking around with something in their their ear that'll determine everything they want to buy, eat, talk, wherever. So uh, it's a different world, and, and, and the global government has to catch up with that. And uh, I know our World Economic Forum has been doing a little bit on that too. Yes, yes, yeah. You are right. You know they have to catch up uh, because you know technology is advancing much faster than they can. You know probably uh, take time to even think about it. And governments are normally slow in the you know uh, the way they advance and the way they make changes. But the tech part, private industry is uh, moving so much faster, and technology is moving so much faster. Uh, even in, within the industries, I think there are some industries that uh, have you know challenge in adopting the technological. advances but uh, on and off you know techno uh, industries are also adapting quite uh, easily uh, but the government is probably uh, a place where you know they need to pay much effort uh, and uh, uh, focus on you know how to advance with the, and how to stay uh, technologically you know advanced with the private industry so while there needs to be an effort to redefine governments and governance models in a digital global age there is also critical need to include eliminating routine tasks um, uh, like you know there needs to be an effort for routine task elimination duplicate effort elimination elimination of waste elimination of corruption as well as enhancing capabilities and most important towards uh, data centric governance um, do you think nations will move towards such initiatives and more so to data centric digital governance because there are there are all these you know everyone knows that these are all the challenges that we face that there are a lot of efforts there are lot of you know uh, tasks that are conducted that could be probably eliminated and that could make it more efficient there is so much waste there is so much corruption and with because of the internet of things and because of the big data analytics there is now a possibility that we can you know eliminate all these things and uh, but that will also you know require that you know a lot of political 
uh, obstacles will need to be you know overcome so do you think nations based on your experience do you think nations would move towards such initiatives and more so to data centric digital governance um i think eventually i don't think in the short term uh, because of parochial interests in the fear of of sharing data and and proprietary interests in a lot of these countries but i think you know made start in the eu i think would be a good example of where a lot of uh, uh different countries with different cultures and backgrounds could could work on uh sharing uh governance models and issues uh that work well uh they all have some common problems and and common you know uh corruption issues um and so i think i think yeah and then if you look if you probably look at by region by region uh in, in south america middle east uh southeast asia because every every uh, country has its own sort of dynamic but eventually i mean it's something to aspire to because the world is going this way and, and like i say it's a everything we've created more data in the last uh, year than we created all of mankind before so it's going to keep going that way in a malthusian uh, way so we we've going to eventually be you know a, a world driven by uh, artificial intelligence and data and uh we might as well start planning for it now because it's going to happen sooner or later and and the biggest most important thing of course is putting an ethical framework and a governance framework in because the real danger of of any uh, misuse of information and data is is for criminal or or, or terroristic enterprises and then if we don't address those issues up front um you know 20 years from now we're going to find us those and and with a lot of issues we didn't anticipate Yes 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 definitely and i think these the governance models that we have currently they are all outdated uh, yes. that they need to there needs to be an evolution in the governance models but that uh, all that itself is so much you know political <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be easy that part so no it won't be easy but you have to start somewhere <laughs> yes that is true now the creation of date i mean we just talked about the privacy challenges you know balance between security and privacy but this is uh, probably on a lot of people's mind is that the creation of data by iot applications all we almost suddenly continue to generate concern over how government systems and its employees handle that data as the collection analysis and use of large volumes of data introduces a complex controversial set of issues the privacy and security of citizen data now how can nations strike the appropriate balance between encouraging iot innovation and protecting privacy and securing da- securing data of its own citizens well that's a big challenge i mean last year of course opm was was breached and uh i think it's 24 25 million people had their their backgrounds and security clearances and stuff now all the stuff that they thought was private gone so it's it's a real issue in and again if you're talking about uh data uh, the first you know thing is is there's several aspects of it one is you have to get protocols in place for for employees so they don't compromise themselves and they don't misuse their their your capabilities or inside their their workplace so that, that's the first step the second part is technology and implementing common platforms and and getting uh security measures in place and that's evolving and it's happening you know, very quickly and uh in the last 10 years particularly department of homeland security has had that role of sort of covering all the civilian agencies and uh um they're they're doing real time monitoring um implementing uh processes and procedures and technologies to sort of uh, stop uh phishing and malware etc things but it's it's not invincible when there's always always breakthroughs and then you go into that and the sharing of data so i mean how do you do it securely is always the first you know uh anticipation uh for any any program manager uh, because of all these uh, uh recent breaches so uh, i think once once uh the technology in the private sector and i believe the capabilities are there is sort of upgraded to a level where we won't be seeing uh, a lot of these issues that we're seeing now uh breaches i think there'll be much more uh, secure data sharing and of course you you classify it you know in different areas a good dod has their own uh, uh you know different capabilities and and, and personal internet and things like that that you can use supernets so uh, i think there's ways of doing it but with government uh, the tendency in america is of course you want to be more open you don't want to be more you want to be more transparent you don't want to sort of stovepipe everything and so i think you have to really again go to the beginning and see which programs are 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 meant to be very secure and which ones can be open and, and that's a probably starting point true true but i think you know this is much more complex than that chuck because you know it's not just uh, the government's responsibility of, of you know protecting the data it's about how much 
willingness is there on the part of you know common citizens to share their data because across nations almost everyone is accustomed to exchanging data for valuable services from social media to sport applications users continue to grant private businesses access to the data if they feel they are they are realizing value in return now this seems to hold true for government applications as well where expertise service individuals are willing to provide sensitive personal information just to you know rush for their you know what they are trying to achieve they they keep all kinds of information and yeah. there is no concern from the common citizens that okay this information we are sharing is what is the security risk for that that thought is not there so it is not just that you know security the data that government has that you know that how they will protect but it's also about how much people are willing to give away their uh, private information that is also a concern so how can this data be secure if people are willingly giving that just to you know get some services how yeah. can you do that well you're right i mean privacy is is it's an issue but it's not an insurmountable issue and and uh, just uh two days ago opm put out a, a, a announcement to create a privacy committee of, of key people to to figure out those examples how do you share uh, private data citizen data public how to coordinate it so they're working on it and, and a lot of it is perception like you said just mentioned a lot we we every day give up information to companies or online uh, that that we, we don't even think about it and of course the data could be compromised or whatever but the same request from the government automatically would get you know sort of a suspicion so there's there's a, a natural sort of tendency of citizens to no, I don't trust the government kind of thing, and you know whether they're going to come after me, the IRS or whatever like that. So, and then a lot of that has been perpetrated by a lot of the companies that don't want to share their data with the government. So, but uh, I think there are steps being put in place at least to share what is necessary, and, and that's all we can go with. But uh, Vince Cerf, the the uh, founder of the internet, uh, Google evangelist, uh, uh, just said there's no such thing as privacy, and, and I agree with him. In this day, there's no such thing. In this world, there's no such thing as privacy anymore. There is no such thing. Uh, that's why I think that the definition and meaning of uh, privacy needs to be reevaluated because you know what we expected the privacy to be, you know, years uh, before. Now that is not there because people are willingly given up that information, you know, for uh, the services they want. So to expect that the government you know, protect the data and then they are willingly, you know, giving the data away to private industries, then that's. something that is a cause of concern and that needs to be evaluated now the core mission of any government is naturally aligned with safety and security of its citizens while private businesses must balance profit incentives and shareholder expectations so while governments are uniquely positioned to help develop a secure iot the lines seem to be blurring between private and public initiatives and objectives so what iot innovations application and processes should government focus on in a digital global age so that they can have a better handle over the security and safety of you know its citizens because that is what its uh, primary goal is yeah i think uh, you hit it uh, right on the nail there the, the area that i think that could be most formidable in right now is, is, is there's actually an issue that's going on is is a uh, critical infrastructure uh, 85% of the critical infrastructure in the united states whether it be transportation financial uh roads um is owned is owned by the private sector so the government usually regulates that and has to protect it often but uh they they are in a position now okay we we should sit down and figure out what we need to do together and and one of those areas of course is is a grid which i mentioned earlier the national grid might be a good starting point uh to work out because you have a vulnerability um from natural disasters from from real threats from cyber security threats and you're dealing with infrastructure that was built in the 1970s so part of the, the the initiative now being talked about in government and congress and stuff let's reinvest this uh, a lot of our capabilities so we can protect the grid in an event of a, a solar flare or something happening so that citizens are protected and power doesn't go out and 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 work with uh, the operators to put in uh, uh cybersecurity measures that we are notified immediately if something happens and they have uh, DHS actually uh caught a couple of uh, intrusions into some sort of uh to energy companies so i think a lot of that's a good start it's a, it's a working area usually security is the easiest place to have government start working with it because most of the people the companies that are involved in there are predisposed to working with government because they know they have to and yeah. so i think that's that's the really starting point and then you look at transportation in general because of the regulation and 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 the and the, the taxes on it and the incentives and 
the cost. I think connected cars will probably be the next big area to look at too with with that with the IoT. Right, right. No, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, uh, what people don't recognize is that, you know, there are complex challenges with the, uh, securing the cyberspace right now because of the, you know, rapid uh, nature of, you know, the hacking uh, that is going on. And uh, there are many people who feel that, you know, uh, man-made initiatives or man-made tools will probably not be able to, or humans will not be able to, uh, secure the cyberspace without the use of artificial intelligence. But uh, apart from that, you know, I feel strongly that, you know, security is no longer a government affair with the way things are going. Security is an NGIOA affair. Uh, that that means nations, it's government, industries, organizations, academia, every and even individuals. We all have security. We all have to be accountable for security because of the uh, changes that are coming uh, you know, at uh, on our way, and uh, there are, it's a very very complex. So, so even if government you know develops all kinds of applications, it's still going to be difficult for government just by themselves to secure their nation. So it's a very complex, and we will have to uh, we'll continue dialogue on that. But let me talk about uh, uh, investments here. Investments, both public and private, seem to be towards innovations and startups that are more focused on acquiring technology acquiring customers and acquiring market share over embedding security in their initiatives, products and services. While the global markets are not yet vehemently asking for security and, and privacy, sorry, do you see a need for regulatory solutions that can advance security in both public and private sector applications? Because I think this is where government can play, can play a very important role of demanding security to be a part of, you know, all the products and services that are being developed. So is there, is is government thinking about this? Because, you know, you see all kinds of regulations coming out, but these are the areas where I see that, you know, government can play a very important role by regulating that, okay, you know, this, uh, any product or any service that is being, you know, uh, offered, that security needs to be an important part of it. Even like insurance, I recently... Uh, wrote a paper on that, and I, I have uh, you know talked about it that you know cyber insurance cannot uh, cybersecurity insurance cannot uh, be successful the way it is uh, right now. The model that we have, I think, cybersecurity insurance will have to integrate with the risk management initiatives, and you know, cybersecurity insurance company will have to play a very important role by making sure that you know each and every organization that is trying to uh, buy policy for cybersecurity they need to have a proper you know integrated cybersecurity risk management uh, program within their organization and any risk any cybersecurity risk any independent risk that they can manage on their own that cannot be insured right the risk that you know they cannot any organization cannot manage on their own for which there are external dependencies, those interdependent, you know, risk, that's where, you know, cybersecurity policies should be, you know, issued. That's what I feel that by changing the way we do things, by changing the way we do processes, we can, you know, make security a very important part of all our initiatives, well, irrespective of products or you know, uh, processes. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think the public-private partnership aspect is, is really the future, like you said, of IoT. It really is a, a two-way street between public sector and private sector. Um, I think going to that specifically to that question, there are some interesting programs. There's one. There's a, a program created DHS called the Safety Act, which basically uh, provided insurance capabilities for a lot of companies exploring new technologies to fight counterterrorism and uh, respond so they wouldn't be sued afterward if something happened. And that's a good start to sort of indemnify a lot of the, the investors and people that are trying to, to create new innovation in the security industry. So that's one area, too. And then uh, the other program, which is a program also out of S&T at DHS, is, is a commercialization program. And a commercialization program is taking the best technologies and IP, technology forwarding and, for, for, and looking at all the national labs, the Lawrence Livermores, the, the DARPAs, all the IP that was created over the years, and and also working with startups in Silicon Valley and Boston, around the globe, where they may have interesting capabilities that are that are just not yet commercialized. And then basically taking those companies and those products or technologies and introducing them to the key players 
Do I need to get funding? Key players so that new this for potential customers and other customers. And other is coming. Any government would have at this point uh, thinking about IO because it takes a lot of control from how the ideological way of doing things. You know that is currently across every nation. How you know political parties and political ideologies play a role of you know governing. the data centric governance and the internet of things and big data analytics will take away all that the ideological you know path of governance would probably you know be the most impacted according to that's what i am thinking so because you know when data data you know is not biased towards any political ideology so data is going to see what it is yes. that is going to be probably i think that is the biggest concern what do you think that do you think that the governments are going to be worried about that i think certain governments will worry about it no matter what i mean you know of course if you're talking it goes different extremes whether it's in north korea that wants to control every aspect of it or you know so it's not it's not one model that'll fit all i don't think in any case ever but if you're looking at the institutions of of government uh you know with with the modern world and <laughs> I want to North Korea the modern world um and some of the other ones in there I think there will be a willingness to to share at least certain types of data and again what you went uh alluded to earlier with with the sort of the endpoint um edge leading edge of the smartphone they won't be able to control it all anyway if you're looking at uh, uh they have to block uh, the internet they have to block a lot of the, the communications so I think they they they're better off looking at how to, you know, work with the data that's available and and use it in in sort of the field. Particularly if 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 uh, your uh, government worker working on disaster relief or working in security using the smartphones and the capabilities and, and integrating lessons learned um and and past experiences that would be uh, invaluable to particularly a lot of other developing countries that that haven't had the the experiences yet as of the United States and others. Yes, yes, yes. No, we'll have to wait and see what kind of you know uh, changes uh, are coming or how governments adapt to that. But now there are reports that the IoT is poised to generate trillions of dollars in value at stake for the public sector over the next decade, compared with three times the value of you know private sector. With the five primary drivers being employee productivity, connected mil- uh, militarized defense, cost reduction, citizen experience, and increased revenue. alongside that potential value this same technologies will have significant impact on citizen security and privacy while iot bring nations a great opportunity for mass economic growth it also changes the very definition of security and privacy we talked about a little bit earlier what implications do you see of vanishing security and privacy Well, again, it goes back into the protocols of the, the sort of the uh, between the private sector and public sector and and and, and privacy issues. Um, I think uh, the advantages are, are immense if if we can uh, sort of get past those barriers, uh, particularly with with government utilizing a lot of the data for for the benefit for healthcare and other things like that. Uh, but um, I think it's it's going to be a slow process, but. Uh, because uh, uh there's such a strong privacy advocacy group mentality and 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 it's it's and I understand I understand so there's a fear of there's there's two fears there's fears of the of the of the, the terrorist side and there's fears of the government side of it you know uh, uh, and historically you know the government is not is supposed to be having too much power over the the individual and and the and the knowledge of the uh, of what goes around the individual so but i think i think once they develop these protocols particularly for healthcare like i say i think you you, you can be able to transfer records and, and hipaa and telemedicine uh immediate benefits with data sharing and then, you know and also with disaster relief particularly yes. but also security security is another thing when you when you're going into the the dod or working for uh intelligence community or like that you already are a, a sworn uh uh you know government person and and you you adhere to the regulations and rules so yeah the, the you give away sort of your privacy on those things so i think that's right now, now we have, let's go towards you know how the other countries other nations are how much investment they are pouring into the iot for example european union from 2007 to through 2013 i don't have the current data of 2015 poured they put more than 55 billion in us dollar value into research and innovation across all areas of science and technology and society 
uh, out of that 145 million went to projects related to internet of things many of which are uh, still ongoing and their focus of uh, investment the focal areas of investment is uh, addressing societal challenges such as aging population food security and energy efficiency and sustainability what what are you what are the different areas where government us government is investing and how much investment us government has poured into iot but private sector is you know pouring in probably billions of dollars how much public you know investment is going on in united states um if you break down the budgets you know and a lot of times they're hidden in, in r&d stuff and product, prototyping but there's a lot going in i mean uh, uh, particularly you mentioned energy there's a, there's been a huge investment in alternative energies and mesh systems and in monitoring buildings gsa uh, is utilizing a lot of that now so there's there's a lot of areas now that are being uh, helped by iot investment in, in the government and then security is is has a lot of uh, different uh, uh, pots of, of investment of course, there's the DARPA, uh, which does a lot of the sort of the far, far-reaching uh, analysis in R&D, and they're putting some effort, uh, effort into the IoT too, and sort of the, the communicative uh, aspects of it, and sort of artificial intelligence aspects of it. So they're doing it IARPA with uh, with with Department of Energy, and uh, uh, the national labs are, are, are also been allocated uh, funding uh, by by uh, uh, DOE and others uh, branches to do uh, IoT research. But I would say the areas are primarily uh, that uh, most, of course, are energy, healthcare now, and security, and and in varying amounts. Security is, is a sort of a, a classified budget, so I never know really exactly how much. And but mm-hmm. but they've also been uh, very much with with the government labs. Uh, always looked at uh, implications, and and you're talking about the warfighter. Uh, the integration of sensors is has been something that's been been worked on for many years. So I think uh, they have a head start, not that they're going to share it with other agencies, but they yeah. have uh, their own uh, sort of uh, uh, capabilities which have uh, been developed. And, and, and I think some of those are, are also now being developed in, in, in sort of the first responder networks and, and the law enforcement networks too that, that right. they have application. Right, right. Now, I, I also have the data about UK and I think, uh, well, uh, apart from their... EU's IoT research program, UK has also set ambitious IoT research goals of its own, and they have uh, invested additional 69 million towards research in areas linked to Internet of Things, take, taking the total to 73 million that uh, um, 73 million pounds, that 130 million US dollars, and they are focusing very aggressively on future cities program, enabling technologies for energy. Connected flight, digital health, location-based services, uh, reimagining the high street, and secure remote working. Uh, so, very interesting initiatives. But I think one thing I would like to talk about is the China's investment. Uh, Chuck is the China identifies the IoT as an emerging strategic industry and is investing very heavily in the IoT. According to some reports, China. Uh, is planning to invest 603 billion US dollars in the machine to machine ecosystem by 2020. This would have huge implications, 603 billion. Yeah, no, I, I think their model's right. If you look at uh, uh, a model for, for countries and, and even for companies, uh, I think it's, it's transformed over the years. But they're putting well over 10% of their revenues in a lot of the programs. Particularly, a good example is Huawei, which is one of the leading companies in, in telecom and the Internet of Things. They put in 10% of their investment back into R&D, and, and that's a that's a model for success. And uh, they're also global, uh, very impressive company, very impressive uh, IP and technologies. I think China is doing doing the right thing in, in that area. I think. Uh, you know, going back to a company I used to work for, Xerox, I did that similar with a company called a, a, a research arm called Park P A R C. It developed, helped develop the mouse and actually the the internet itself. So I think uh, a lot of companies got to go back to the model of, of looking where to put the R and D money and look looking. You know, I think the big ones are doing it, Apple, Google, and others already. But uh, uh, the model is a successful model, and in, in, in government is not really. Uh, unfortunately, because of, uh, in this case, domestic issues, because of uh, 
sequestration and other issues, the first thing is to get trimmed in most government budgets or the R&D budgets because they're not linked to a program already that has a constituent that's lobbying for it and people in a district making money off of it. It might be going to national labs or going, going to universities. And so those programs are easy, easily cut. And that's a mistake because I think the, the, the fuel, the engine uh, for our, our progress in the Internet of Things and, and everything else is really based on in cultivating scientific initiative, talent, innovation, and, and utilizing the best minds out there, which are in the labs, which are in universities, and are global in other countries, and, and cooperating with other companies, countries that, that have these initiatives and research labs that develop some amazing things every day, and, and, and you know, it could be out there, and no one may know about it. <laughs> well, I think this is a very significant investment in IoT, and uh, uh, it will have huge global implications. Uh, we'll have to see what kind of you know intellectual property and technology that is being generated by that. Now, I think we will. Uh, Take only probably we'll talk about only one more thing before we conclude our discussion because I like to keep the discussion around one hour and I think it's almost we are almost there so that you know people can grasp this better while you know there's so much to talk about I have identified like thousand area points that I would like to discuss but you know we'll have to take it in small, yeah. <laughs> small uh, installments uh, so that you know people can understand this and you know we can uh, be effective in our uh, uh, dialogue. So the last question is that uh, from smart drones to smart homes to smart cars that drive themselves, the world is dramatically changing around us. So are governments ready to take advantage of these new innovative opportunities with the internet of things? Or as almost everything gets connected to the internet, could these newly connected devices become Trojan horses that inadvertently brings the next generation of data breaches. What is being done globally, if you have uh, some background on that, in the public sectors with IoT right now? Well, uh, you mentioned connected cars. There's a, a program now being done in Michigan, where General Motors is involved with the University of Michigan and other, other, a variety of other companies. And they're looking at this issue too, right? Connected cars, vulnerable, they've already been uh, 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 basically uh, proven to be breachable. So I think uh, there's a whole area of, of investment and in, in being looked at and how to protect the Internet of Things, uh, the security of connected cars. And so I think what that needs to be done is there's, there's cars being developed globally, uh, Apple, Google, everywhere else, is sort of share this, these capabilities uh, uh, and understandings of, of where these security uh, implications are and technologies and how to protect it. So that's just one industry. But there is there is being looked at, and, and again, go back, reverting back to the first uh, question, is FBI and DHS have already come out with a study now saying that, that you know the, the biggest problem you're facing with is security with the Internet of Things, and um, just from saying that up front and early is a good thing because that that puts out the message to the rest of government and puts out the message to the rest of the, the country and the world basically that okay we're here and it's on the, the precipice but we now to need to really act quick and, and it's a sort of urgency urgency to basically uh, put together some parameters that will allow us to function uh, securely and, and uh, profitably and, uh, and, and for the benefit of everybody in, in this new world with the Internet of Things. Right, right. I, I, I was going to end at that last question, but I think uh, there is one more point I would like to discuss with you before we end, is that it is being said that the tech pioneers in the U.S. are advocating a new database approach to governance, that's algorithmic regulation. But if technology provides the answers to society's problems, which many are hoping, that it would. What happens to governments? Well, I think that the regulation of government aspect will always be there. Whether it be regulating machines or regulating people, governments will still be doing it. And uh, because you have to set parameters, uh, particularly if you're looking, you know, uh, half a century down the line when you're talking about robots everywhere, uh, which uh, there's a fear of by, by some of the, in the scientific community. So I think you have to set the parameters and the rules and the laws and what's produced and, and also uh, – uh, security aspects are still going to always be government, you know, so there will always be a role for government and governance and, and, and the Internet of Things. Yes, there will always be a role for government. You are absolutely right. So the Internet of Things is a transformative development. Technologies that could allow literally billions of everyday objects to communicate with each other over the Internet have enormous potential to change all of our lives. The opportunities and ramifications of IoT are immense. 
but resources to dedicate to the challenges seems scarce across nations at this point. The time for your government, that is the viewers, I'm talking to you directly, in each nation, that the time for your government to build an Internet of Things uh, strategy is now. It is clear that nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia are going through permanent technological revolution. Nations will only succeed if NGIOA, these nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia show a relentless drive for leadership and innovation. So that is the hope that, you know, with uh, our dialogue, the risk groups, uh, risk roundup, that we can achieve some of those things. We can, you know, convince uh, people and nations and governments and private industries across uh, nations to, you know, make uh, necessary changes because of the technological tsunami and advances in Internet of Things and other technological developments are happening. So risk group, cybersecurity risk research center and strategic security risk research center are created for this very purpose so that we can identify evaluate and manage the risk facing NGIO in cyberspace, geospace, and space. And we can discuss, debate, and define necessary framework, structure, processes, tools, and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age, but also of the coming technological super conversions. So let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. I hope you all get involved in your nation's efforts and uh, make sure that there are positive, you know, uh, changes happening that are necessary for what we want to achieve by the digital global age. And uh, I'm really delighted that, uh, Chuck, you spent uh, almost an hour with us and your valuable insight and uh, thoughts would definitely have uh, global impact. Our global viewers and listeners are going to benefit from that. So thank you so much, Chuck, for taking the time to come and uh, talk with us. And there is so much more to talk. So hopefully, you know, uh, you will uh, also come on Risk Roundup uh, some other time. So Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a very enjoyable talk and you're doing a great service. Thank you, Chuck. And uh, with that, uh, I'm going to conclude our today's session. Until next time, I'm Jayshree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.